In a world where people are famous for doing nothing, we're here to discover the ordinary individuals who take giant leaps to do something extraordinary. Welcome to Moving Forward. Hello, everyone. This is John Lim with Moving Forward, and I'm so excited today because my guest is the one and only Gita Nadikarni. Gita is a keynote speaker, founder of Baby Got Book, which recently celebrated its first birthday. Congratulations, Gita. And she is also the host of the fantastic podcast series of the same name, where Gita unlocks the secret of packaging your story so that media outlets will fight over each other to book you. You can find her at GitaNadakarni.com, which we have posted on our website, where she has wonderful resources on becoming a media magnet, including an incredible 10-module course. Welcome, Gita. How are you today? Hi, John. It's My day is automatically awesome because here you are. <laughs> you have made my day, Gita. Thank you so much for being on the show today. And I'm so excited because you have done so many amazing things. And I just, I'm really, really pumped up to share your story with our listeners. So Gita, before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about your work helping individuals and businesses become what you call media catnip? I love that. You, <laughs> I think you have a, a, a whole second life as a copywriter. So uh, can you go ahead and just share with our listeners a little bit about your business? So I truly believe, and this goes way beyond any kind of marketing tactics, I truly believe that everything is story and story is everything. Yes. Right? It's, it's how you color, it's how human beings make sense of all the random stuff that goes on around them. You have a story and you kind of assign meaning to the stuff that goes on around you. And that's what keeps you sane and that's what keeps you moving forward and brings you joy or sadness or whatever. Absolutely. And so I think that empowering people to tell their story in a powerful way Uh, in a way that serves their purpose and their greater purpose, their purpose to themselves and their greater purpose out in the world. So for an entrepreneur, let's call a spade a spade. I mean, I absolutely want to make money doing what I love, but I also want to make an impact in the world. And those two things need not be mutually exclusive. Indeed. And shouldn't be, really. Um, And so my... So what I what I do is basically I started as a journalist when I was twelve, and that's a, a story that we can get into. If <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and I'm in my mid thirties now, and so that twenty two years of media experience, uh, I've basically made my living and a really nice one, and I've always had an awesome job because I've been telling people's stories. Mm. That's my gift in this world, and so I thought, hey, you know what? I want to have my own business. I want to uh, get out of the nine to five. I have a child now, I have a three and a half year old, and I don't want to be stuck behind a desk in a cubicle building someone else's dream. I want to do this for real. I want to bend the rules. I want to play bigger than I've ever played before. And my way of doing that is to bring my gift into the world, which is to help people tell a better story in a way that pulls people to them, whether that's the media. I And I personally believe that Playing with the traditional media is a much faster path to success than sort of battering or, you know, paddling around the social media pond when you're just getting started. Once you have platform, yes, social media is super powerful. But building that audience, I'll tell you from my own experience, not the easiest thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Gita, that is fantastic. And that actually leads perfectly into my first question. So 
Can you unlock a little bit of your story and share that with our audience? Tell us a little bit about your life, your background. You you talked a little bit about your professional life, but also talk about your life resume, as I like to call it. So I grew up in Mumbai, which used to be called Bombay when I lived there uh, in India. And so and I'm the daughter of the oldest of three daughters. Mm. And uh, my dad's a journalist and a management consultant. And my mom is a senior or she's retired now, but was a senior oncologist. So highly educated, very driven parents. Um, And when I was so my my sort of professional path, if you will, begins with kind of an epic failure. Oh, as, wow. as is so often the case, right? Yes. Um, so I was in. I went to English school. It is my first language. I speak four, but I don't speak anything qu- with quite the same fluency that I do English. I speak Hindi, Marathi, French, and of course English. So I go to English medium school, as does everybody who's middle class and upper. And we have what's called an English language paper, which is grammar, essay writing, comprehension, everything that I hate basically, in a nutshell, all in one paper. And I'm doing pretty badly. So I have the unlovely task of bringing my report card in at age 10 to my dad, where I basically just scrape by by the skin of my teeth mm. on essay writing and, and, and this English language paper. My father, if you've ever watched any Hindi films, any Bollywood films, you know that all Indian men are extremely dramatic. This is... This so has, you would say that's an accurate portrayal? It, it kind of, yes. Let's just say, okay, yes. Okay. <laughs> so my dad is horrified that anyone carrying his DNA would almost flunk essay writing. <laughs> so, horrified. So he and my mom basically are like, okay, what are we going to do? This is impossible. Um, so they come up with a plan where they make my sisters and I write three essays a week or we can't go out to play. Mm. And to their credit, they make it really interesting. And this was mostly spearheaded by my dad, where we'd each have a scrapbook and we would cut images out of magazines and create fictitious characters. We would write book reviews of bedtime stories. We would write reports on any outings we did. And he would sit and patiently, age-appropriately critique them. So it wasn't just that we were creating in a void. He would sit there and be like, hey, you know, your body copy on this is sloppy. Or you could have used this literary device or you know you could word use wordplay with your headline here or this conclusion doesn't come full circle with your intro you know you can tweak that and it was just fascinating right it was like it it suddenly this writing thing that was so opaque to me he suddenly showed me the strings behind the puppet show and showed me how to use them Mm. and it was magic because by the end of that one summer two and a half months in writing these essays had become a joy. It had become something that I actually looked forward to. And I realized that I could paint more powerful pictures with, you know, a plain HP pencil than a whole box of Crayolas. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, Gita, I think you just answered my next question. So I want to explore this a little bit more. It (laughs) sounds like telling story is a big passion of yours. And it started out with some tough love from your dad. But can Mm -hmm. you kind of Tell us what happened and what was your journey towards becoming a journalist? So I started to write just for the sheer joy of it. I wrote poetry, which was horrendous, <laughs> really bad poetry. Um, I've been and, down that road too. So. Right. You know, <laughs> you got to do it. But you know what's beautiful about being a child and, and discovering a gift? And I think it's something that a lot of adults should really do also is just give yourself permission to bomb. Absolutely. Just 
go for it. Just, you know, just go for it. Take your, just create crap. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Actually, that, that sounds like a great mantra. Just create <laughs> crap. <laughs> just do. Just because, um, who is it that it's Natalie, her last name escapes me for a second, but she's a, a very famous writing teacher. It'll come to me. She has this, pr- and she actually uh, advocates this as a process in her creative writing classes where she calls it composting. Because as, <laughs> right? Like you, you have, it comes from manure. It's yeah. not even a metaphor. It's, it's for really for real. A lot of the most beautiful things grow from manure. And I think that if you give yourself permission to really sift through it, those little gems will come to the surface. Whereas I know I have had blocks before and the blocks always come from that pressure of, okay, here I am at the blank canvas or, the, or you know, I have the, my blank screen and I'm at my keyboard and I'm like, oh my God, will I be able to call the magic today? because anybody who's creative or I'll speak for myself I truly believe and most of my um my mentors and and the people that I look up to in the creative field uh, Stephen King being one of them his book on writing was has been a huge resource to me over the years he talks about how he's just like I don't actually know where the good stuff comes from yeah I don't. And I feel proper terror every time I'm under pressure to create something good because I don't really know where it comes from. And therefore, I'm not always 100. No, I'm I'm never 100 percent sure that I'll be able to call it. And so the only thing that I can really do is build that muscle where I'm all I can do really is just show up and make it a habit to create the space to invite that inspiration, to invite the muse. So it's almost like discipline, right? It's like you. It's like if you're an athlete and you're running, um, you will have miles where you just feel like you're flying. And the only way to get there is to run through all the crappy miles where you feel like hell and you're pushing yourself and you don't quite have the cardio strength yet and you don't quite have the, your breathing down pat and the muscles are just being built. But eventually you get to the point where you're in that flow much more often and it's much more likely to happen maybe not every single time but much more likely does that make sense absolutely i I think blogger james clear has the same philosophy where he says i write a blog every tuesday and thursday and you know whether or not i it turns out crappy or it turns out great I am sticking to that schedule. And the funny thing he says is that there are some blogs where he's written, he talked about one blog post he wrote in a car on a, on the way to West Virginia. He thought it was the worst thing he ever wrote. He said it was, it was one of the most shared and, and liked blog posts that he ever wrote. So there's something to be said for having that discipline and just not being afraid to let go of that perfection syndrome, which I think we all get as adults that Mm -hmm. we want to do things so perfectly that it ends up inhibiting us from actually creating and you're absolutely right on that, on the money. I think that's absolutely fantastic. Well, Gita, speaking of compost, <laughs> I want to ask you, and you, you talked a little bit about your first childhood failure and how your dad gave you some really tough love. But as an entrepreneur, I know failure is just part of that journey. So mm-hmm. I was wondering if you could share with us a time where you just flopped or you faced that huge, what seemed like that Mount Everest challenge, and you're completely winded and you're running and it ended up being just that turning point for you, that moment where, aha, yes, I get it now. This is part of my journey or it's part of my road to success. Mm-hmm. Well, I've had a few of those. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so the most recent one, I guess, 
would be right after my son was born. Um, so this is three and a half years ago. I, I had a miserable pregnancy. So the second he was out of me, I had a wicked, amazing birth. No epidural. Woohoo! Mm. Um, which made me feel like an absolute ninja, like I could do anything. And I think that that really carried over into the way that I parented. And I had this, almost this, I don't know, I, and I've heard um, other new moms talk about it, this huge surge of creative energy. So then I was sitting with this little bitty baby uh, in my arms. And I'm like, I want to do something epic. And I was like kind of thinking about what to do. And um, I had just gone to a baby wearing workshop. So this, this whole idea of, you know, how if you look at African women, tribal African women, they wrap their babies in a piece of cloth on their back. So you, you don't have a stroller. You're basically you are the stroller. Mm-hmm. And what's beautiful about that, and I truly believe it's a biological advantage to a child and to a mom, is that your your baby is always skin to skin with you. It helps regulate their breathing patterns and all kinds of biological benefits. It uh, enhances your milk supply. I won't get into the details. But basically, it made me feel like superwoman. I was free. Right. I I learned to nurse my baby without ever using my like basically I adjust him in the sling and then he'd be able to breastfeed and I'd be able to do whatever the heck I wanted. So there I was walking down the street, breastfeeding at a cafe with my friends and I was not hampered by nap time. I was not I was free. And I and I loved that. And I was like, more moms should have this feeling. Mm-hmm. More moms should have this empowerment and not be just stuck with a stroller or stuck with their nap schedule or all of the things that I was hearing about in that world. And so I was like, I'm going to start a sling company. That's what I'm going to do. So I so I launched. Love it. You, you already sold me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I'm just like, let's just do this. Um, so I found. So I'm like, I come from the land of fabrics. My dad is about to come and visit. So I basically conscripted him to bring me miles upon miles of gorgeous batik hand-dyed fabric. Mm-hmm. And we created these ring slings. So I was sewing on my sewing machine uh, during naps um, and creating these beautiful ring slings. And then teaching moms in my circle how to use them and selling them. And I did pretty well at the beginning. So that gave me just enough sort of confidence and and success to be like yeah I just like reinvented this this whole like you can't work after a baby thing is bs and <laughs> I just proved it and then comes the inevitable crash right because um here's the deal baby got mobile <laughs> baby got mobile yeah that's the thing yes they start crawling it's all like a f- total free for all and my kid is was like hell for leather he crawled so fast and was up to he was climbing bookshelves at seven months like there was no turning my back on him for a second so I was like oh my god what have I got myself into I can't do this um so first of all my so so the lesson from all of this basically long story short I realized that without committing to incurring debt to basically raising capital to buy fabric hire staff and all of the stuff that would go with having this company, um, I could not actually progress past the selling to friends and family. Mm. 
And I spoke to one thing I did write, which was to get mentors in the space. So I had there, there were several women who run their own cloth type of companies and sling companies and stuff who were very generous with their mentorship and their expertise. And they were like, yeah, sorry, dude, you can't do, you can't do this without a debt and B, you can't be the kind of mom that you're trying to be right now and also run this business. You have to make a choice. And for me, that choice was clear. The business had to go. Because yeah. I was not going to be not that mom. But I hadn't thought it through. Yeah, but you know, it was from that experience that you were able to probably learn more than you ever anticipated about For that sure. space. Yeah. For yeah. sure. And I think that I think that I have this way, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs have this way of putting on blinders and just going for it. Yes. Um I don't know that I would learn from that experience to take my blinders off. I don't. I don't think that I would because the next, the next uh, big thing that I launched was Baby Got Booked, and I will tell you, base and it was not that far after Smiggly Slings, right? <laughs> so everybody, and especially in my family, so I had you know very well-meaning relatives who loved me deeply and wanted to protect me, mm-hmm. calling me up to say, "What? What is it you want to do? You want to launch an online course to do what?" How are you going to make money at this? Like they don't understand that you could make money on the interwebs. Anyway, um, so that's a whole other issue. But they will. Uh, the the question that came up over and over and over. Two questions. One: At what point will you quit? At what point will you? What is the thing that will happen that will make you think, okay, this is not working? And I'm like, there is no thing like that. Yeah. This time, I'm not going to quit. I will pivot as many times as I need to pivot. And make those, you know, one or two degree course corrections that will make this fly. I will Love not it. quit. I'm smiling with this mile wide grin, Gita, right? because the word pivot is so powerful. It's one that I use. Our listeners know I use it on almost every podcast. So I, I'm just beaming here. So There you go. And then the other question they asked me was, what makes you think this will succeed when so many of your other ventures have failed? Mm. And I'm like, that question really, really terrified me. I won't lie. Yeah. And the short answer was, it came back to that decision. Like I made that decision with steel that I had not realized that I think I'd only ever noticed for the first time within me during my birth, during when I gave birth to my son, where I was like, holy crap, there is a depth to me that I did not know I had. Wow. And I made that decision from that place. And I don't get me wrong, I was absolutely shaking in my boots, terrified. And so I was like, okay, one thing I did understand was that success is a video, failure is a snapshot. Mm. I love right? that analogy. It's really that. It's like, if I don't make any money today, am I a failure? No, because I'll make like tons of money tomorrow. And then you'll be like, oh, you're such a successful entrepreneur. And I've lived <laughs> that, right? I'm just like, uh-huh, interesting. What about yesterday? And But failure is where you finally decide, okay, I'm taking my shoes off. I'm done. This race is done. Then you quit. Then you actually fail. So I'm like, I will not freak out. The only way I will fail is if I freak out, I will not freak out. And I remember I actually went for a run. Running is my meditation. Yeah, so, me too. <laughs> right? There you go. So oftentimes when I'm like, oh my God, my head is like spaghetti right now. I, the, everything is like flying around. It's a big mess. I don't know what my truth is anymore. I can't operate from a place of truth and joy. I will. This, any decision I make here is probably a, not a good one. So in moments like that, I'll just put on my fibrams and just hit the road. And 
and just listen to music and let my thoughts collect themselves. And one of those runs, I went out and I was like, the only way I will fail is if I freak out. I will not freak out. And I just repeated this over and over and over for like 45 minutes while my heart was pounding. And I was like, okay, I can do this. And one of the things I did was listen to podcasts like yours where I'm being acquainted with John Lee Dumas's podcast, yes. uh, Entrepreneur on Fire, was a, it was a big tool in my toolkit. I Same built here. a yeah. Right? I yeah. built a mental toolkit. It's the reason I, why it's I mean he's a big reason why I have this podcast today and There you, you know, go. And yeah. It's how it's how I learned about you, Gita. So There you go. Full circle. Yeah. Yeah. So to, to just to, to explain the process to, to entrepreneurs who may not be familiar with him, first, go listen to his podcast. But secondly, what it is, is really... And I'm also going to say right now, listen <laughs> to Baby Got Booked. It is fantastic. Uh, I, I, I immediately hit that subscribe button. And I'm just going to say to our listeners, hit that subscribe button. It is fantastic. It's just knowledge bursts left and right. That means the earth to me. Thank you. We worked really hard at it. But so, so coming back to the mental toolkit thing, it's something that I've seen my husband who now works with me full time and wasn't a hundred percent supportive at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So I was really swimming upstream because my, my birth family was like, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> so, you know, they, you know, I'm getting phone calls from London and India, um, where they live. And honestly, on days when I was feeling weak, I would just not answer my phone. I'm like, I see caller ID. I'm like, nope, not answering the phone today. And, but then my husband would come home and be like, dude, you don't, you know, you think you're a business owner, but you don't have any, you don't have any customers. And that really, really hurt. Mm. And we've, we've talked about it and we've healed our wounds around this, but it really hurt. And I was like, you know what? This is just one more obstacle that I will overcome. Yeah. The end. I am not going to quit. So I had to build myself to contend with the voices in my head and the real voices around me. I had to build myself this cacophony of voices that would that told me that I could that this could be done. So whether that was podcasts, um, whether that was books that I read that were inspirational or tactical, you know. Both are important. Um, I had a couple of new friends that fell into my life serendipitously, one of whom we share, Nancy Murdoch, yes. Um, yes. Who, who really saw what I saw and was very encouraging of me. Um, I had mentors fall into my life again. And I'm just like, I will just drown out everybody who says no and just listen to everybody who says yes and just do that. Important. I think that is super, super important. I think any time you're getting out of your comfort zone, you're always going to hear the chorus of voices. And most of them will come from a place of love, especially from yes. your family. And it can be so difficult oh. to push that aside and just keep on course. I know how that is, Gita. And it is just, I think that's actually one of the hardest things. I think that's even harder than than the snapshot of failure. And I love that analogy. It's a snapshot. It's not the film. Success is a film. Failure is just a momentary snapshot. But I think hearing the voices, it's drowning out the voices i think that can be really the hard part it is because and for a lot of women especially i think it boils it almost feels like the choice is you get your family or you get your success mm. it's or not and right right absolutely and that's so powerful I, and that's one of the proclivities of the english language just the power of just a single word mm -hmm. and i love just what you were talking about pivoting it's just a matter of 
it's just a couple of degrees between finding your your road, finding your path to success. And I absolutely agree. I think that's very powerful. I want to share a, a little story here yes, please. to give, give some hope to any entrepreneur who's at that very beginning stages and is wondering if it's going to work out. It's funny. I'm one year in. We've It's been, knock on wood, really successful. Okay. Like beyond my Congratulations. Wife's- I'm so happy for you, Gita. Thank I mean, just- you. Absolutely. But but here's the deal. Okay, so I'll go to conferences and I'll get up on stage and people will come to come up to me and tell me, You're so lucky, man. You've really nailed it. You have this super sexy product that everyone needs. Man, how could you not succeed? And I'm like, uh-huh. Um <laughs> that's awesome. Now that I'm successful, I'm so happy that everybody sees this. <laughs> but can I just say, back in the day, August last year, 2014, I was sitting there, um, and thinking, okay, and my, my genius idea, so I was not very, this is not a particularly bright idea either, uh, but my genius idea was, oh, I'm going to help um, eco-friendly and sustainable businesses get their message out. So maybe got booked, but really with, an, with a bent towards these socially sustainable, eco-friendly businesses so that I could feel like I was really changing the world. Yeah. Problem is, a lot of them have a very terrible scarcity mindset. Mm-hmm. So they don't like to pay for anything. And they also don't believe that a lot of things are possible. So it's a very, very tough crowd. So I was like, wow, this does not work. And the more I surveyed, quote unquote, my market, uh, the more I was like, wow, I I would hear, here's what I would hear all the time. Oh, TV is not really my thing. I don't want to be on TV. Yeah, that's what, like, yeah, like maybe I'm not ready. Eventually, sure, eventually. So whatever that means, right? So it's like, at what point do you become successful enough to want to be on TV? Anyway, so I was like, rats. Nobody realizes that they need my product. I know that they need my product, but nobody else sees it. At the same time, I started to write Baby Got Booked, the book, which I'm still writing. Mm. We will not. not I'm looking forward to that. (laughs) I swear I'm writing it really fast. Actually, it worked out really well that I didn't write it so fast because it has given me the excuse to be able to call up producers and editors all over the place to interview them for my book. Oh, that's fantastic. Which which allows me to then make contact, which is fantastic. So anyway, um, at the time I was writing the book and I reached out to my network of editors and producers uh, in designing the course and writing the book and their network and so on and so forth. So like, I didn't want it to be just my opinion of what worked in the media and what got people booked. I wanted it to really be what works right now. And every single interview ended, whether it was by email, whether it was by Skype, whether it was by phone, ended with the producer or journalist saying, oh, thank God someone's writing this book. I'm so tired of shitty press releases. (laughs) That's how I knew I had a business. My market didn't even realize it. Now everybody gets it. Because I'm successful, but they didn't at the time. So again, go back to that quiet voice in your core and look for any and all signs that point to success and hook your your safety line to them and just, you know, blunder in the dark. You'll be fine. I love that advice. That is fantastic. Well, Gita, I'm really interested because you've worked in media and I'm a big proponent of media. Mm -hmm. So I have a two-part question for you. So... As someone who's worked in media, as someone who loves story, has there been any particular movie, book, song, play? And I'm going to throw in cultural experience because we've had a couple of guests talk about experiences traveling abroad and experiencing new cultures that has been greatly influential in your life. 
Oh, good question. There have definitely been books. Absolutely. So I've mentioned one already. There have been, actually, I could, I could mention a, f- a few. So there's on writing in terms of just the discipline of creating the craft. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also Stephen Pressfield's book, Do the Work. Okay where he talks about that same idea of his responsibility is to show up at his desk to sit and write for six hours. Whether or not it's good is not his problem. That's not his job. That's God's job. Or I'm, and I'm spiritual, not religious. The universe's job. It's, I think a lot of suffering, I heard this quote recently and I was like, yeah, a lot of suffering is when people get mixed up between what's their job, what's somebody else's job, And what's the universe's job? Hmm. And if you can keep clarity around those pieces, you'll be fine. No matter what happens, you'll be fine. So a cultural experience that really moved me recently was I was at the National Speakers Association's conference in D.C. And we had a, a keynote speaker up on the main stage called Immaculate. I can't remember Ilibitsa, I think her name, her last name is. Uh, she has a fabulous book called Left to Tell, where she literally talks about how she survived, survived the Rwandan genocide. So she opens with the story of her uh, being hidden in a bathroom by, um, by a Hutu clansman, a tribe mm-hmm. member who was sympathetic to the cause. And she was in that bathroom and And there were other Hutus kind of prowling through the house with their machetes. They were literally opening suitcases and cutting through mattresses lest somebody hide an infant in a suitcase. They were climbing up onto the roof. I mean, just just listening to this in that in that hall as I was sitting and listening to her like I was having a visceral reaction to just the terror that that must have felt like. And she was in the bathroom and she was livid with God. She was sitting there and she was, she was Catholic. They were raised Catholic. And she was just like, God, I want to say something. If you are out there, I don't understand how you can let something like this happen. But if you are out there, here's the deal. I want you to give me a sign that you're there. And if you do, I promise you, I will never question your existence again. And I will listen to everything that you say. But I need you to give me a sign because right now my faith is at rock bottom. If you are out there, then do not let them open this bathroom door. Hmm. And a few moments later, the man, she can hear all the voices through the door because it's really thin. Man puts his hand on the doorknob and turns it. And he's about to step into the bathroom door. And all of a sudden he says, you know what? I believe you. You're okay. You'd never hide these people. And he just leaves. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Right? That is, I'm, I'm speechless right now. I know. My heart is beating. Like it's seriously. So there is Immaculate. And so then she manages to eventually emerge from her hiding place. She goes in there. I can't remember the the, the actual figure she spent. She told us she went in there 135 pounds or something like that. She came out 85 pounds. I can't even imagine. And, And now she had to rebuild her understanding of the world. And that was the really hard part for her. So she would say the Lord's Prayer, and it would come to the point where you talk about, I forgive everyone else as you forgive us. And she couldn't, even in her mind, bring herself to say those words. Yeah. Because she was like, 
I can't forgive them. They killed my mother. They killed my father. They killed my entire family. They killed everyone that I have ever loved. And for what? I don't understand. So I can't say it. And, and she's just like, you know what, God, if you, if you want me to say it, you have to show me a way. I'm open to it, but you have to show me a way. And so her healing process sort of took place. And at one point, she kept hearing from people, you have to write a book about this. You have to write a book about this. You have to write a book about this. And she's like, I'm not a writer. I just, I don't know how to do this. Like, I don't know how to write a book. But she kept hearing it. She's like, okay, God, I hear you. I hear you. I'm going to write the book. So she sits down and in six weeks, no slouch, writes a book. She writes the book and she's like, I don't know if it's any good. Again, she gives herself permission to bomb, right? She's like, I'm being divinely guided. I'm just going to do the work that I'm supposed to do. I've done the best job that I can think of to do and I'm done. Yeah, she's, she's holding like, up her end of the bargain with exactly. God. Exactly. She even says that in so many words. She says in her prayer, she's like, God, you asked me to do this. I'm done. Now it's your turn. That's fantastic. Exactly. But get this, get, get, get what happens next. So she has zero clue what to do with a book. She's never written a book proposal, has zero clue how to market a book or how to get a publishing deal or any of that jazz. She goes to a bookstore. She's in a bookstore wandering around and there's a book signing happening at the end of the bookstore. And there's Wayne Dyer signing oh. a book. And he's sitting there and signing books. And so she is just like, oh, he, he's a successful author cool and so she's like, just like goes, <laughs> buys a book because she's like i feel drawn to him somehow yes and she buys a book and stands in line waiting for him to sign the book and gets to the front of the line and he looks at her and she's like i just wrote a book and i don't know what to do with it and there's obviously something about her energy because when you're in the right place at the right it just there is a serendipity that happens when you are on target and there she was being divinely guided. And I'm not even, like I said, I'm not even religious, but I've really begun to believe in the woo. She stands in front of Wayne Dyer and he's like, I need to know more about you. Next thing you know, Wayne Dyer is handling her book. Oh my gosh. Wow. Go big or go home. Oh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Right? So that idea of, call it divine guidance, call it just an inner GPS, I have begun, the more successful I become, the more I have come to believe that you can manifest just about anything if you get out of your own way. I think too many entrepreneurs, and I put myself in this bracket too, too many entrepreneurs in the early days we're buffeted by all the advice that we receive, right? We're just yes. like, oh, you got to do this and you got to do that. And there's this tactic and that marketing strategy and blah, 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 blah. And yes, you do need some level of tactics for sure. You need to get the word out. You need to put together whatever it is you're putting together. You do need advice and you do need mentorship for sure. But I think that too many of us do not give ourselves permission to listen to that quiet inner voice that usually makes absolutely no sense. That makes us do crazy things that makes our, you know, that make our families think we're nuts. <laughs> right? I mean, is it just me? The things that came naturally <laughs> to us when we were kids that we had sort of beaten out of us when we were adults. Yes. And now we have to relearn. Absolutely. Yes. You know, because because it's that it's the same thing when you when you learn to ride a bike, right? You you get on that bike, you fall down, you scrape your knee. Your parents don't say, okay, you're not going to ride a bike again. What do they do? They make you get right back up and, mm -hmm. and try it again. Mm -hmm. And I think this is simply a manifestation of that. It's the, it's the adult's version of that. Yes. 
Yes, I have the words joy tattooed on one wrist and abundance tattooed on the oh, other. Oh, I love it. Absolutely a, love it. As a reminder that that is the place from which I choose to play. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. That's fantastic. Uh, Gita, I'm I'm just blown away. Thank you so much for sharing that. My pleasure. Well, second question and second mm. part to the question. And you've talked about so many amazing people in your life. So if you want to call back to any of the individuals, please feel free to do so. But is there anyone that you'd like to talk about that you've connected with that has left that lasting impression towards you finding your career path and your life's passion? Wow. It's, it's hard to just narrow it all down to one. I mean, I'll start with my dad because I think that if he hadn't forced my nose to the grindstone and shown me that sometimes the things that we are most resistant to are the very things that we need. Yes. I, I can't even imagine like what, what, what is it like to go through your life not knowing what you were meant to do? I don't know the answer to that. And that's because of him. I've always known what I was meant to do at some level. I may have been distracted momentarily by, you know, what kind of job I want or some version of that. But I have literally been lucky enough in my life to always land jobs that I love because when you're a journalist and you're telling stories all day, I mean, what is not to like? Yeah, absolutely. Right? So I think my dad would be a huge influence. I mean, he's not, he's not by any means a perfect human being. And I want to say this. It, I, I do want to say this. Like, he had major anger management issues. And it has been a difficult relationship to reconcile in a way because mm. he has given me so much and he has also taken so much. Mm. Wow. And I think we... I think many of us struggle with that too and we never ever have permission to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. It sounds like though finding your path though has allowed you to bridge that relationship though even more yes. so, which is yes. fantastic. I think that's such a gift. Yes. And I think that it doesn't answer the question who are the people in my life? I mean, I I will thank my husband. I will he has again not always seen what I see and not always fully jumped in when I needed him to. He has now, for sure. But when the chips are down, I mean, let's face it, through Smiggly Slings, my epic failure, and through Baby Got... I, I, think, I think you may have to revive that at some point. You really... Got, when you started telling that story, I kind of got goosebumps. So, you know, there, that may be something you may have to return to at some point. Maybe if we have... I've seen, I've seen worse products out there, Gita, I'm <laughs> telling you. I mean, seriously. In fact, one of my business partners and I, we, we just had this conversation not too long ago. Just the sheer number of baby car seats right? and how, how poorly designed they, they are and how cumbersome they are. So I don't know. There's definitely a market and there's definitely a demand for, for very aerodynamic, linear, simple-to-use baby products. So I agree. I agree. I I just don't think that mine had made that leap of design. And that was my, you know, that was my failing. If I were to do it again, I would get in there and be like, okay, what kind of like totally wicked fabric are we going to use? And what are we going to do that's different? But isn't it better that you're able to look back on it and say, if I did it again, as opposed to what if I had done it? I so agree. And you know what? I recently, at that same NSA conference, I was invited to speak up on the main stage in front of 2,000 professional speakers. 
And the day before I was going up, talk about nerves, right? I'm just like, no pressure. And I had a five-minute speech. So I had to deliver amazing value and a total performance in five minutes, which is not something I'd ever done before. And the day before, one of my fellow speakers comes up to me and goes, hey, man, I got to say, you got balls. Because a lot of a lot of speakers would have said no to this because what if you bomb? And I'm like, you know, I thought about that. And I would rather go down in flames on that stage than have had the opportunity and said no. I'm pretty clear about that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the only thing you can ever regret is looking back and thinking, oh, gosh, what, what if? if? I know. I know. Yeah, I can't live with that. Yeah. I can't live with that, which is why I think I was able to make that choice to say if it comes to a choice between my path and my family, and I don't mean my kid, because I think that if anything, that I'm I'm modeling for him exactly the kind of life that I want for him. And what a gift. I'm showing him that it can be done. It's like we, we joke about ninja training. I work with a personal trainer and he sometimes will, watches me sweating and swearing and just like <laughs> really just pushing, like groaning through that last push-up where I'm just like at the end of my endurance. And I'm like, you see, everything is not easy. And I, you know, if you want to be a ninja, you got to work super hard for what you want and, and push yourself so that you grow and you grow your muscles and you grow your endurance and you grow all of these things. And we're very explicit about that in our family. So I don't think that it would ever be a choice between my child and my the, the life that I'm building for myself. But I did feel at multiple points during this process that it felt like a choice between my marriage and my business mm-hmm. and my my birth family, like my parents and my sisters and so on, and my and my business because they just couldn't see it and they just couldn't connect with it. But I know that I will not lie on my deathbed and think, well, I'm glad I pleased them. Like, no, I would be super resentful and pissed off. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just not going to be pissed off guy. I'm going to be a fulfilled guy. And whatever the cost is of that, I will pay. Yeah. Hey, Moving Forward listeners. If you're enjoying today's episode, consider supporting the podcast. You can purchase a copy of the Corporate Clichés Adult Coloring Book or try out Amazon Prime or Audible using one of my affiliate links, which you can find in the write-up for any of the episodes at BeMovingForward.com. Absolutely. Well, Gita, I'm so fired up to ask you this next question because we have listeners from all walks of life, all professions, and I've known so many people who are just struggling to find their passion, find their way, find their purpose. What advice do you have to that one person who's listening to this, who is hanging on to every word that Gita Nadkarni has said in terms of her story and her journey, what do you have to say to that person? How do they get unstuck? How do they move forward? How do they find their passion and purpose in life? You start with what terrifies you. Mm. No question. It may not be what you're supposed to do as a business, but if there's something that genuinely terrifies you or that feels like you can't even go there. Like it's in your mind, it's a shut door and you just can't go there. Whether it's uh, a failed relationship, whether it's the fact that you've had multiple failed, like sometimes it's literally that. It's like I've had, I've coached people who have trouble making money because they've had certain bad romantic relationships that have shaken their faith. Absolutely. 
in so, the justice of so the world. It's so funny you mention that because sometimes the root of it has nothing to do, <laughs> to do. with your vocation or your, your, your acuity to, to make a profit, right? Absolutely. That it's usually something else that's the blockage. I love that. That is fantastic. So yeah, so I, I would really recommend that whatever it is that you are scared of or that you're just that feels that you have rage about if you have any kind of negative emotion that if you feel that there's something there or a complete blank lack of emotion where you can't feel happy about something then start with that and see if there's a way for you to unpack it or rewrite that story that's what it is you have to rewrite that story and let it go so that it's what it's what uh, go get immaculate's book it's called uh, left to tell she talks about how she as a survivor of the rwanda genocide found it in herself to forgive not not for the hutus obviously but for her so that she had the energy for herself instead of hating with that energy she had it to fulfill and nourish and grow herself instead i love that that's yeah. Uh, thank you so much for sharing that. What is next for you? You know, I'm being pulled. It's it's so funny because I, I told you about this whole idea of I'm, you know, if you told me a year ago that I would be meditating and um, life coaching people, I'd have laughed in your face <laughs> and just like been like, wow, what did, like I'm a real, like I'm a proper business person. I'm, I'm a, like I'm a skeptic you know like i i and, and i love the voice shift when you just yeah yeah <laughs> that's who i am i'm a real business person did you not see my tie um, um but the more the more i I, ha- I have a friend a business coach actually who calls himself an intuitive business coach hmm. and if i'd met him a year ago i'd have been like okay this guy is not so and he has built a 12.5 million dollar business by and th- these are his own words, listening to the whispers. Wow. And it literally is a place of you sit in as you get as quiet as you can, whether that's sitting down to meditate or going for a run or like talking to I absolutely do talk to myself while I walk. Okay. I'm one of those crazy people. I do. So I'll go for a run or I'll go for a walk with the dog and I'll just talk to myself. And I sometimes plug in my headphones. So I look like I'm on the phone, but I'm really <laughs> just talking to myself. I love it. I love it. <laughs> completely nuts right um but i have found the most insane financial spiritual personal relationship success has come to me from doing things that a lot of people are like why would you do that and i'm like i don't know it just feels right it's that same idea of when i sit down and i write a piece this has happened to me so many times in my life i'll write something an article as a writer because i've been a writer for my whole life right i'll write something and it's brilliant and when i look at it i feel zero sense of ownership nothing i'm like wow that's such a clever tone of phrase i wish i thought of that and i'm like wait i did think of that <laughs> i'm like but i don't feel like i thought of that <laughs> that's not mine yeah and I feel like I'm just a conduit for it. I have finally come to a place where I feel like I have begun to now become a conduit for not just writing, but for bigger things. And I'm able to use that power to help my clients. So I have a whole new level of coaching that I'm doing with VIP clients where it's funny, they, they think they come to me for tactics and they get all of that. But what they really come to me is to get their minds 
completely the shift. shifted. So exactly. Critical. I love exactly. that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because that's really where it starts, right? And they're a lot smarter than me. I just have to move them out of their own way. Yeah. That's what it is. That's yeah. all I'm doing. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Well, Gita, you've made such an impact on me. And I have no doubt that you have impacted so many people listening to this today. So what is the best way that our listeners can make a connection with you? I would, I'm, I'm out there. I'm not a huge social media maven, but I'm out there. So I'm on Twitter. I'm at Life with Gita. That's Gita, G-E-E-T-A, two E's and one T. Um, the best way to find out more about me and to kind of drop me a line, I would love, love, love to hear from you, is to go to my website, which is GitaNatkarni.com. You will find everything about me from my speaking to the podcast to, you know, whatever it is I'm up to in the world. Um, and then my gift to you, if you want to get media attention and you want to get started in the media, um, I have five tips that will get you media from literally a few minutes worth of investment. It's totally free. And for that, you can go to babygotbooked.com and there's a five-step uh, guide that you can download for free. Love it. Love it. We'll have all of that posted on our website. And what a gift to our listeners. Gita, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story with me. I am in awe of you. John, and you're, you're, you're making awesome. me blush. I love you. What are you talking about? <laughs> I, I'm just, I, I love your energy. I love that analogy that you're just a conduit for all of the good work that you do and that you are teaching others to be the same, to get out of their own way. And I think that's a huge, huge takeaway from today's interview is to get out of your own way and to be still and to listen. I love that. Listen to the whispers to yeah. find your purpose. And I'm going to challenge you moving forward, listeners, to access and take advantage and to breathe in the resources that Gita has provided that she has put out there. She is a fantastic, fantastic, inspiring individual. And I challenge all of you, make that connection. Gita, I want to thank you again. Uh, it's been an honor and a privilege having you on the show. John, the privilege is mine. This is John Lim with Moving Forward, and we will be back with a new episode next week. Now it's time for you to move forward and discover the extraordinary in you. Moving Forward is produced by John Lim and BeMovingForward.com. All rights reserved.